So Money, episode 263, George Zimmer. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to another episode of So Money, everyone. Thanks for coming back. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Now, raise your hand if you've ever rented a tuxedo, okay? You, or maybe you know someone who's rented a tuxedo. It's kind of a pain, right? It's a lot of visits. You often have to go get the tux tailored. It's not always cheap either. Well, the industry is about to change. And today's guest, you might know him, is leading the movement. George Zimmer is here. He's the founder, chairman, CEO, and honorary tailor of his former company, Men's Warehouse, for over 40 years. In 2013, George left Men's Warehouse, and news reports suggested at the time that it was over disagreements with the board. He's now making a comeback with two new business ventures, including Z Tailors, where he is once again revolutionizing the apparel industry, providing consumers with a remarkable and highly personalized experience to create high-quality, customizable, and affordable tailoring through a national network of tailors. His second venture is called Generation Tux. It's what he's calling a reinvention of the tuxedo rental experience. And over the years, George has helped tens of millions of young men find a tuxedo rental. So he's putting his past experience to good use, offering a high-tech clothing rental experience. Three takeaways from our interview. How George felt after getting fired from the company that he founded, Men's Warehouse. And you know what? He's okay saying that he got fired. Why it's taken so long for this concept of renting tuxedos to come to market. I was curious. I mean, I'm not a market expert, but it seems like a no-brainer and something that could have been introduced a while ago. And finally, being raised frugal, as he describes, and how George still, even as a very wealthy man practices frugality. By the way, you might recognize George's voice, his iconic voice from the 25 plus years he spent on TV and radio. His voice is unmistakable, as you will hear. He was most notable for narrating the men's warehouse tagline, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. And this is going to be a really great interview. I guarantee it. Here is George Zimmer. George Zimmer, welcome to So Money. Great to have you on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. George, you're all over the place. I'm reading about you in Forbes, in Fortune, New York Times, all about your foray into the digital marketplace. You know, many of uh, our listeners know you as the founder, the face, and the voice behind Men's Warehouse. Your new venture, though, is called Generation Tux. Can you tell us about it? Uh, I'd love to. It's uh, very simple. It's online tuxedo rental, uh, something that is long overdue, even though it's just a a niche business. Uh, It's something that I have a lot of experience with, probably uh, having married more people than anybody in the world. So uh, I'm just trying to convert my uh, domain expertise in tuxedo rental uh, with some new technology, which uh, I've been told is going to be quite disruptive. 
My husband wore a men's warehouse tux at our wedding, so you're absolutely right about that. You're backing this with mostly your money, I read, and small investments from friends and others. The New York Times says you've already spent some $6 million to have 30,000 tuxes made. So you're betting big on this. You think this is going to really uh, be the new way of how people, how men particularly uh, rent, go for their tuxes on, on wedding days and other events? Absolutely. As you know, since you did this yourself, uh, when you rent from a, a store, you have to make three trips. One to pick out the garment, a second to have it fitted, and then a third to return it. Uh, when you do this online, uh, you don't have to make any trips to the store. So it's, it's much more efficient. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the most, uh, uh, in terms of the Delta is the, the difference in the old way and the new way. This is a huge difference. Why? And I, I agreed. It took, it was very time consuming. I have to be honest. It was kind of annoying because we were got, we were got it getting married in Philadelphia. The suit was from New York. So we wanted to get back in time to return that. Why has it taken so long for an idea like this to really transpire? I know for years, women have been renting dresses online for special occasions and now even wedding dresses. Uh, why? Why now is this coming out? And why wasn't this something that perhaps Men's Warehouse, while you were there, was something that they explored? Well, I'm going to take a chance here and answer this question honestly. Uh, when I was CEO at my former employer, we did look at this and we turned it down because of the threat to store traffic and cannibalization. Uh, we were, after all, a a, a brick and mortar chain of over a thousand stores. Uh, when you don't have that as, as a legacy or some might say an anchor, then it becomes uh, really a very straightforward decision to do this online. It's much more efficient, uh, controllable. Uh, I mean, there are a number of component pieces to doing this business and we've taken each piece and improved it from the quality of the product. We're using better fabrics, uh, fabrics that, that we probably won't make as much money on, but will be a better deal for the customer. Uh, we have a better shipping system. Uh, we've built a distribution center with a dry cleaning uh, facility inside it. Uh, and we've eliminated some of the hassles that uh, you have experienced uh, yourself, like uh, having to rush the return because otherwise there'll be a late fee. Uh, we send the garment out a week in, in advance of the event so that if there are any fit questions, they can be corrected. And then we give you three days after the event, not just a day. And what about the price? Is this something that's going to also be as competitive as going into a store? Will it be, will it compete with pricing in the stores? Well, because we're a startup and my partners are from the technology industry, uh, they trained me that it was more about market share and not about profit. So the prices are extremely low. You can rent an entire tuxedo and the outfit, the vest, 
the tie, the shoes, the whole, the shirt, the whole thing for $150. Or you can rent just the tuxedo for $95. And there's no bait and switch. Everything is the same price within each category so that you don't have to choose what you're going to wear based on what you can actually afford. Uh, it, it's all the same. And by the way, we set, uh, rent suits and all the furnishings and accessories for them because about a third of the formal weddings now people are wearing suits in lieu of tuxedos. Right, right, absolutely. It's uh, people want to be able to ex- be more expressive on their on their wedding days, and not have to wear you know a standard black tux. So it's smart to do that as well. You started Men's Warehouse, I believe, in college with your roommates. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur, George? Well, actually, I started it when I was twenty four, so I had been uh, out of college a couple of years. But it was with a college uh, roommate and fraternity brother. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure I ever thought of being an entrepreneur. Uh, What I did think of was sort of the inverse, which is that I wanted to live my own dream. I really never could imagine having a job other than being a paper boy or something like that. This show really likes to kind of dig into guests' financial psyches, you know, and with you on the show, a successful entrepreneur, curious to hear, George, your take on money, starting with your financial philosophy on things. If you have one, you have a money mantra that has has guided you through your business and also your personal finances. Well, uh, let me first answer that by saying that I was raised uh, to be frugal. So unlike many people who have to, uh, uh, learn how to curtail their spending, I always had to train myself how to spend money appropriately. Uh, where that actually became apparent was when I opened this new business, as opposed to my original business, 40 some odd years ago, because then in the past being frugal, or as I used to say, let your sales uh, 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 or your expenses lag your sales by six months. That was the bricks and mortar way. Now in a, a technology startup, uh, it, it really is, is, is you cannot make a business successful unless you are prepared to invest up front. That's really one of the big differences. You had suggested the uh, uh, $6 million uh, inventory investment. Uh, To put that in perspective, the tuxedo rental market is uh, over a billion dollars and represents about 10 million tuxedo rentals a year. So, Although 30,000 may sound like a lot, it it really, in the context of a national business, is a a startup we're just getting going. Uh, In my uh, earlier incarnation, uh, in the 13 years that we were in this tuxedo rental business, we grew it from zero to uh, north of $400 million. Wow. 
You were born in New York City and you mentioned kind of being raised with this frugal mentality. What's a money memory that you still reflect upon as an adult from your childhood that really has shaped the way that you do business, the way that you manage money? Well, I'll take that literally and, and, and mean it as a real kid, because one of my earliest memories uh, as a child uh, with money was when I ran the school store in, I believe, fourth or fifth grade. And uh, back then we were selling pencils and eraser erasers for I believe that, you know, something that cost a, a nickel or a dime was expensive. And some of these things sold for one or two cents. And what I remember about that was that it's so easy to get caught up in in big numbers and lose sight of the fact that really uh, most businesses done at, at, at more of the opening price points. What did the other kids think of you? Did, did, did they sort of see this in you? Did others, I'm always interested to find out if others saw in you what you didn't really realize in yourself yet, as far as your financial savvy, your entrepreneurial acumen? Great question, because it's exactly the case in my life. Uh, I had no idea when I ran the school store in uh, fourth or fifth grade that that was going to become uh, my adult career. And when I was in college uh, from 1966 to 70 at Washington University in St. Louis, my nickname in my fraternity was chairman of the board, which I always thought was insulting <laughs> because I was much more of a student activist. So uh, uh, I, I, it, it was somewhat uh, 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 predictive now that you look back on it. Along the way, as you were building this multi, multi-million dollar company, what was your biggest failure, George? And what did you learn from it? Well, I, I have a long list of failures that I could talk about, uh, beginning with when I got fired a couple of years ago, uh, which was the only time that ever happened in my life. And I was uh, blindsided because I really thought I had become uh, vulnerable. But uh, what it taught me, and it taught me this in the first 24 hours, because I have uh, uh, middle school and high school age children, was that this was a great example and in, in had a model overcoming adversity uh, for your kids. And that's really what it's about. And, and so it's, it, it is true that uh, everybody gets knocked down at some point in life. And, and the real question, if you want to evaluate somebody, I think, is, okay, what do you do after you get knocked down? How do you get back up? Or, or do you just remain on the ground? So that was certainly one, one incident uh, that one could call a failure. But the one that I really uh, uh, think is, is more dramatic is in the early 80s when uh, we were a private company. Uh, we had been in business a decade and it was hard to believe that after having built a successful company for a decade, our survival could be threatened. 
but that's exactly what happened when the uh, uh, Texas oil uh, boom uh, had this uh, uh, sudden reversal in the early 80s and every locally owned bank in the state of Texas uh, went under and was acquired by an out-of-state bank. Our bank loan was called. It was $2 million, not so much, but uh, it was enough that it would have forced us out of business had we not been able to uh, replace it. And I remember looking everywhere for a person to invest $500,000 in the company for uh, uh, 25% ownership. And uh, I finally went to uh, Canada, to Toronto, and met with a a fellow named Wilford Poslin, and he was the uh, chairman and CEO of Dilex, which was a major Canadian uh, retail holding company. And uh, we had a wonderful dinner and a nice meeting the next day. I, I practically thought we were partners. And when I asked him to make the $500,000 investment, which by the way, you know, could have been worth uh, uh, $500 million or more right today. Mm-hmm. His answer was, you know, George, I really like you and your business turn it around, make, make a profit and come back and see me. I remember thinking, well, if I could do that, Mr. Poslin, then I probably wouldn't be here <laughs> hot in hand right. asking for a half a million dollars. So, uh, you end up learning, uh, that, uh, the way it works usually in business is that when you need money, it's tough to get. And when you don't need it, that, that's when everybody wants to loan it to you. Indeed. You could have made him a really rich man. Sorry, Wilford. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, you snooze, you lose. But you know what? You were talking earlier about, you know, trying to discover your next big thing after leaving Men's Warehouse. I can only imagine how you felt because this was, after all, the company that you founded. Was it what is fueling your desire to start Generation Tux, which is really going to be a competitor for, for men's warehouse and, and like companies is, was that departure really what helped to fuel your, your drive? You know, not really. Uh, Generation Tux is, uh, is really what happens when you take somebody like me with a lifetime of, uh, uh, apparel domain expertise and uh, uh, then thrown me into a, a new technology world. Uh, it was a very obvious connection to make. Uh, to me, it, it's uh, uh, it doesn't seem that that complex to understand that by using Uber-like technology in old paradigm businesses, uh, you can make a business by simply increasing uh, the efficiency between supply and demand. That really is is what it is. Mm -hmm. We, by the way, started a company prior to Generation Talks called Z Taylor, uh, which is a uh, nationwide on-demand tailoring network because uh, one of the things that we felt would be true in our tuxedo rental business is that we would never want to be in a position to not be able to make somebody's wedding perfect 
So we wanted to have a nationwide network of tailors that can be dispatched uh, at the last minute to to make things right. Uber for tailoring, right. The Uber, right. right. The Ubers for tailoring. I think that's smart. I think that is really, really smart. How's that business doing? Well, it's, it's never going to be as profitable as the uh, tuxedo rental business because the, the very uh, economic model is, is different. But uh, I've always had a, a very positive relationship with thousands of tailors from my earlier uh, incarnation. And one of the things that I, I came to realize was that very few uh, senior executives in the apparel business uh, really enjoy tailors or tailoring. Uh, they become more about marketing and uh, merchandising. And uh, I've always enjoyed hanging out with tailors. And in fact, I have many tailor mementos here in my office. What's your number one money habit, George? Something that you do practice routinely that is conscious and you know that it helps you have a better financial life? Well, uh, I hope this doesn't sound too petty, but my number one habit is I insist on turning lights and fans off when somebody is not in the room. Uh, I'd like to think that it's because I'm trying to reduce my carbon footprint, but it could just be my, my old frugality coming, uh, coming to surface again. But that's really uh, something that I've just done my entire life. No one's ever said that on the show. Uh, so that's, and, and so now I'll know if I'm ever a house guest in your home, I'll be sure to leave, uh, no lights on before I leave. That's uh, I'm, I'm sure. Are you, the, are you the dad that's going around giving the kids a hard time about that? I am. Uh, I am. I, I, I maybe because I'm a baby boomer, and so I've I've spent almost my entire uh, life aware of the uh, environmental uh, impact that is being made uh, around the world. It just seems like the most uh, frivolous thing to walk out of a room and not turn the lights off. Right. And it's a habit. It's got to be habits. It's not necessarily ingrained yeah, in us to do right. that. We're going to round this off, George. You've been a great interview and really congrats on, on this new venture. I like to end the show with a few fill in the blanks. These are sentences that I begin and then you finish them. Really fun. Don't overthink it. Um, the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is. You know, when I got fired, uh, the company had a, uh, Gulf stream, which I think is what they, uh, they actually wanted me to remain as a chairman emeritus. And I think they thought that that, uh, Gulf stream would be the, uh, uh, the hook and uh, I've now gotten very used to flying Southwest Airlines, but I do have a uh, luxury that I use uh, selectively as opposed to all the time, and that's uh, private uh, air, air usage. When you want to move your dogs, there's really no other way. <laughs> well, you know what, George, I have to give you a lot of credit for 
citing this, what I've been calling a departure the entire time on the interview. You're calling it a firing and you're really owning up to that. I think that's really great. Yeah, I don't. I think I that's really great. Uh, you know, when you found a company and you bring everybody in and they, then they, for whatever reasons, decide to uh, throw you out, it, it doesn't feel uh, awkward to say that you were fired because uh, I think everybody in America knows that there was something not right here. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to let everybody form their own conclusion about that. But it's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. I have hundreds of friends still at my former employer and most of them are not happy. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure they're all cheering for you on the sidelines with your new venture. A couple more fill in the blanks, George, and then I'll let you go. But I would really like to know when you were growing up as a kid, I know you were raised with a frugal mindset, but what is the one thing that you wish you had learned about money growing up? Well, now this again may sound uh, a bit odd, but the one thing that I wish I knew, because I I actually grew up in an upper middle class. I grew up in Scarsdale, which is, as you know, here in New York, I assume. So yes, um, what I what I wish I had known when I grew up was that people who have made money. are to be appreciated and valued because when I grew up, it sort of was a standard operating procedure and I I didn't really appreciate uh, what it means to be successful financially. Yeah, there. I think that is still something that is in our culture today, and I hear it from other guests as well. That that money was for everybody else. That in, if you had money, there necessarily was a part of you that maybe wasn't nice, or was greedy, or was to not to be liked. And I think that is a a false assumption, and and not something good to learn as a kid. Because you know what, we should all strive to achieve our financial financial goals. I think, though, and and I'm a little older than you, I really think that the the secret to life is to figure out how to do both, how to make money and do your passion at the same time. Uh, I used to want to be, and of course I was never even remotely good enough, a professional athlete. And, uh, you know, at my age now, I, I look at, 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 at athletes and I realize that I've had almost an entire lifetime, 30 years past where their athletic careers have ended. So, uh, you know, really it's uh, to be doing something that you love and, and make a lot of money at the same time. It, it really does almost feel slightly dishonest. It's the sweet spot. Yeah, no, but it's, uh, hey, you should be proud of that, you know? And it's only something that we should all strive for at the least. Last, George, I like to have all my guests end on this. And this really is open-ended. It's however you want to define it. But I'm George Zimmer, and I'm so money. I'm so money because... So money because... Because I find your podcast 
to be very informative. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice. You threw it back to me. I appreciate that. Well, I think you're so money, George, because you, uh, like you said, uh, you're finding your new path and I commend you for that. It's very smart what you're doing. I, I support it because having gone through the tuxedo rental process with my husband, I know that this just will make things more efficient, easier, faster. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Wishing you continued success. Hey, and if you're uh, in New York, New Year's Eve, I'm going to be marrying at Times Square when the ball drops the first couple for 2016. Wow. In front of millions of people. If you happen to be, be there, you know what? Gen Talks will be there. All right. Okay. Well, I'll definitely be near a television. <laughs> and if I'm in Times Square, <laughs> I'll definitely try to grab you and do a selfie. <laughs> okay. congratulations on your on your nuptials good good luck with that and um happy rest of your year thank you that's a wrap if you'd like to learn more about george zimmer his website generationtux.com you can also follow him on twitter at george zimmer all this info back at somoneypodcast.com where you can grab the transcript and comments from this episode and all previous episodes and there click on ask farnoosh and send me your most riveting financial question or comments or thoughts love to hear from you every friday i turn the tables and answer your money questions thanks again for tuning in everyone Hope your day is so money.